What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing will USC football make it to the college football playoffs this upcoming college football season? Will the Cincinnati Bengals have a Super Bowl hangover? How good will LSU football be this year? And could the Detroit Lions make it into the NFL playoffs this season? If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. My Instagram is at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Lincoln Riley bolted from Oklahoma to become the new head coach of USC football. And I can't say that I blame him. If I was in his shoes, I probably would have did the exact same thing. I mean, how can you turn down the opportunity to live in Cali? As a matter of fact, not just being able to live in the state of Cali, but being able to live in Los Angeles. Now, I've heard a lot of things about Los Angeles, both positive and negative i have never been to la i have lived in florida for pretty much my whole entire life but i've heard that they have some nice houses really nice beaches a lot of touring attractions however i don't really hear a lot of great things about the downtown area but for lincoln riley i mean i just felt like it was a no-brainer for him to leave ou for usc because first of all you're going to have an easier time when it comes to recruiting there are just so many great talented high school football players that live in the california area so you have access to that you also are getting a lot of money so for usc it just made sense to go ahead and steal lincoln riley from oklahoma pretty much and then you look at the work that Lincoln Raleigh has done over the course of this offseason in the transfer portal. You bring in Caleb Williams, who was your starting quarterback during your time last season at OU. You bring in Jordan Addison, who is the Bolintikoff Award winner from last year. You also have Mario Williams, who also is a transfer from Oklahoma Travis Dye. I mean, USC was doing a lot of work in the transfer portal. And that has a lot of people excited about what USC football could be this year. And when you look at this roster, this is definitely a really good team, especially on offense. I mean, this team is going to be a juggernaut. We already know what Caleb Williams brings to the table at quarterback kind of reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson but a little bit faster you have Travis Dye, Austin Jones, Doran Barlow in the backfield according to many reports coming out of spring camp it seems as if Lincoln Riley is going to have a three-headed rotation at that running back position then at wide receiver I mean you're stacked man Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. Last year, Jordan Addison caught 100 receptions for 1,593 receiving yards and 17 touchdowns. Him and Caleb Williams are going to end up being the best quarterback wide receiver duo in college football. I know there's going to be a good amount of Ohio State fans who are going to push back on that. If you get mad at that, I can understand why. The offensive line should be pretty good. Some people have questions about the depth, but I think overall the offensive line is in pretty good shape. So on defense, this is where many people have question marks when it comes to the Trojans. Because Lincoln Riley, during his time at Oklahoma, never really had any good defenses. He does have talent on the defensive line. I'm not going to try to pronounce any of these guys' names. Trust me, I did look up how to pronounce their names properly, and it just couldn't roll off my tongue the right way. So I'm not going to try to embarrass myself. But you guys know who are the studs on this defensive line. At linebacker, you got Eric Gentry, Shane Lee. I'm a really big fan of what Makai Blackman does at the cornerback position. You also have Kalen Bullock there. So I think that if you're Lincoln Riley, you definitely do have some pieces to work with on defense. And when you look at the schedule, 
I mean, USC doesn't have the toughest schedule in the world. Your home games are going to be against Rice, Fresno State, even though I wouldn't overlook Fresno State because you do play them pretty early in the season. And everybody knows that the majority of upsets that happen in college football happen really early into the regular season. So I want to overlook that Fresno State game, even though I do expect USC to win that game by at least two touchdowns. You got to play Arizona State at home, Washington State, Cal, Colorado. Then you face Notre Dame. Now, you have to go on the road and play Stanford. We don't really know what Stanford is going to do this year. Stanford is a program that kind of has been on a downward slide over the last couple of seasons, but maybe this could be the year that David Shaw gets things turned around. I really don't know what has happened to Stanford. They used to be one of the best teams in this conference, and all of a sudden they just started dwindling down for some odd reason you got Oregon State who some people think could be a little bit of a sleeper team that could be a little bit of a trap game for USC Oregon State definitely is a team that you don't want to overlook you got to play Utah which we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in this segment then you got to play UCLA so for USC If they're going to be able to make it into the college football playoffs, they're going to have to be able to beat Utah. And I don't think it's going to be able to happen. And I understand that you USC fans are probably really upset that I just said that. But before you start cussing me out in the comment section, before you start yelling at me, first of all, lower your tone real quick, put your keypad down, and let me explain. Yes, you do have a lot of firepower on offense. Yes, you do have a pretty solid offensive line. You do have a really good defensive line. But when you look at Utah, Utah is a really physical football team. And when you look at some of the more successful teams in the Pac-12 over the last couple of years, they always have been really good at the line of scrimmage, which is something that Utah happens to be very well at being able to dominate teams in. You remember last year when they played Oregon? They demolished them not once, but twice. And people counted them out in both of those games. Then, you also got to realize the fact that Utah has 17 out of 22 returning starters back on their team this year. So this is a Utah football team that I think that a lot of USC fans are kind of overlooking. And one thing that Lincoln Riley's teams normally aren't really all that great at are being able to handle themselves against more physical football teams. And a prime example of this is a couple of years ago. Not even a couple of years ago. Go back to what has happened to Oklahoma and the college football playoffs their last couple of outings. They got manhandled up front. So for USC... If you're going to have a shot at making it into the college football playoffs, you're going to have to go through Arizona. And you might have to end up playing them twice, depending on how UCLA and Oregon fare this year. So for USC, yes, you do have a lot of talent when it comes to your skill position, okay? Your offensive line isn't too bad neither. But when you're facing a team like Utah, You just have to be able to handle yourselves up front in the line of scrimmage because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good a receiver core you have, how good your running backs are, if you can't win at the line of scrimmage. The game of football is win and loss on the line, not about what you have at your skill position and whatnot. If you can't handle yourself up front, you're not going to win too many football games. Utah happens to have one of the best offensive lines in college football this year. Their defensive line is also going to be really good as well. So I just think that when you're looking at Lincoln Riley and this USC football team, Do I think they're going to be able to be really good this year? Yes, I do. I would be extremely shocked if this team wins anything less than eight games. My expectations are at least nine, ten wins. Some people probably say Pac-12 championship, which I wouldn't get too mad at you for that. But I just feel that Utah right now, I think that is really their year. I think it's their year that they're finally going to be able to pull through and get into the playoffs this season. And I'm not saying that USC doesn't have a chance. I'm just saying that right now, if 
Utah and USC played today, I'll be taking Utah. And I think Utah will win by at least 10 points because I think Utah is that good of a football team compared to USC. I think when you're looking at just how physical and how punishing a team Utah is, I just don't know if USC is going to be able to match up with their physicality. Now, they definitely could prove me wrong, and I wouldn't be surprised if they proved me wrong, but... I'm just really hot on Utah this year. You look at what their head coach did with a lot of underclassmen last year. It was really impressive. It's something that you don't see too often. And I understand there's going to be people that say, well, JT, if Utah's defense is so good, then why did Ohio State put 40 points plus on them in the Rose Bowl? Listen, you're not Ohio State. Ohio State, do you know the kind of players that they have in their offensive line? They have several players on that offensive line this year that are going to be drafted in the first round of the 2023 NFL draft and they're probably going to have multiple guys that go within the first two rounds of next year's draft as well so in comparison comparing your offensive line to Ohio State's offensive line I think there's a pretty big gap there I'm not expecting for USC to just get doggy walked against Utah. I definitely think the game will be fairly close going into the fourth quarter. But then I think that's when Utah is going to start to pull away because that's when Utah is at their best. They they pound you for the first three quarters. They wear you down. And then when you get into the fourth quarter, that's really when your depth gets tested. And for USC, yes, you do have good talent on your front seven. But if you're going to beat a good team like Utah, you're going to have to have more than just great play from your starters. You're also going to have to be able to have great depth on your bench because you're going to have to be able to keep guys fresh throughout the first couple of quarters until you get to that fourth quarter where then you can let everybody go all out. And I just don't think that right now at this moment that USC has a squad that is capable of being able to beat Utah. So I really think that Utah could be the team that keeps USC from making it into the college football playoffs. And not just that, but these Pac-12 teams are pretty inconsistent at times. We've seen it several times. And I'm not saying that Lincoln Riley isn't, Mario Cristobal or any of the other Pac-12 coaches, he does have his team prepared more times than not. They don't really suffer too many upsets that often. However, the Pac-12 this year, I think that there are a couple of sleeper teams that could end up surprising a good amount of people. And we also can't sleep on UCLA. UCLA also is a team that has a pretty good off the line. They're pretty solid up front as well. And they also could give USC a run for their money. So, I think that USC is probably going to end up winning 10 games. I think they may end up having two losses. Maybe they have a nine-win season at worst, but I don't see them losing no more than two or three games. I still think that this is going to be a really good football team. This is definitely going to be a top-10 team. However... I don't think they're going to make it into the college football playoffs year one. I think they're going to lose against Utah, and they may end up suffering another loss during the stretch. But this should still be a really good football team this year. But you guys let me know how you guys feel about the USC Trojans going into the 2022 college football season. Do you guys feel that this is a team that is going to get into the college football playoffs this year? Year one under Lincoln Riley? Let me know. So I've been talking a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals, and I am a Steelers fan, but despite me being a fan of Pittsburgh, I have to give credit where it's due. The Cincinnati Bengals, I feel, are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And I made a video or segment a couple of weeks ago saying why I feel that Cincinnati will have the best offense in the NFL this year. And I saw a good amount of people in the comment section saying, JT, you're overrating Cincinnati. They're not going to be all that great. They got lucky last year. They're going to suffer from the Super Bowl hangover. <sighs> Come on, man. I think you guys, I think some of you guys are really just hating. Let's be for real. Yes, the Super Bowl hangover, I'm not going to deny and say that it's not real because there definitely has been a lot of teams that have suffered from the Super Bowl hangover effect. However, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be one of those teams. For one, 
you improved. Cincinnati did not get worse. They pretty much kept their whole entire team from last year. They pretty much have all of their entire starting lineup returning going into the 2022 NFL season. On top of that, they got better. They had the worst offensive line in the NFL last season. Joe Burrow got sacked, what, 10 times in their divisional round win against the Tennessee Titans? I think the Bengals were their only team to win a playoff game while allowing their quarterback to get sacked in the double digits. That is not a coincidence. Do you know how good of a quarterback you have to be to be able to overcome that? Then I saw a comment that almost made me lose all of my humanity for just a brief 30 seconds. I saw somebody have the nerve to tell me that Joe Burrow got carried by the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver course and he got carried by the talent on his team last year. You know what I want to tell you? Please, shut the hell up. Are you really going to tell me that Joe Burrow got carried by his supporting cast? Take Joe Burrow off the Cincinnati Bengals last season and tell me where they go. You see... A lot of people have to understand something. A large reason for why Cincinnati has had this remarkable turnaround in a short amount of time has been because of Joe Burrow. You see, the reason why I think Cincinnati is going to be good this year isn't really because I believe in Zach Taylor. It isn't really because of how solid their defense was last year. It isn't just because they improved the offensive line. It's not just because they have Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. I have faith in Cincinnati mainly because of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is different. This isn't your normal quarterback. You don't often see a quarterback go into year two of his NFL career coming off a devastating season ending injury his rookie year and take his team all the way to the Super Bowl. And they had a pretty close game also because there were a lot of people who thought that the Rams were just going to go in and win that Super Bowl with ease. So with Joe Burrow being at the helm, I think that Cincinnati is going to be perfectly fine. Joe Burrow is somebody who doesn't tolerate losing. He has came out and said this publicly many, many times that losing is unacceptable. And one thing about Joe Burrow is that he's focused. You don't see him on social media a lot. You don't see him in the headlines all that often unless it's about something good that he's doing on the field, such as torching NFL defenses and helping turn around the Cincinnati Bengals franchise. Listen, the Cincinnati Bengals are all into winning now. Too many people have to stop living in the past and keep saying that the Bengals are the Bengals. If you judge somebody based off your past, then you're just a prisoner to the past. How are you ever supposed to move forward in life if you're somebody who dwells too much on what happened five years ago? Obviously, this isn't the same Cincinnati Bengals that we saw years prior. This is a new organization. This is a organization that is committed to winning. This is a organization that is committed to doing everything that it takes now to win a Super Bowl and bring that Lombardi Trophy home back to Cincinnati. So I'm really not understanding why people can't see the Cincinnati Bengals in the same light that I do. And I can understand if you don't think that they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC, but I think that it's pretty reasonable to expect this team to be right back in the playoffs. You can say the division got tough. I understand that. I understand that Baltimore had a lot of injuries last year. They're fully healthy this season. Pittsburgh got better. We don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. That's just something that we have to wait and see. But even if he does play, Cincinnati is still the probably the safest lock for the playoffs as any other team in the AFC other than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I think too many people are just trying to undermine the success that Cincinnati had. You see, the reason why a lot of you guys are so hesitant to hop on the Cincinnati hype train is because you got to see it again. You think last year was luck. Let me tell you something. You don't go into the playoffs, right? And beat the number one seed on the road in the divisional round. You don't do that by luck. You don't also go on the road and beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice 
in the season. Both, yeah, you beat Kansas City twice on the road in their AFC Conference Championship game, and you dominated them in the second half. That isn't luck. You came really close to defeating the LA Rams in the Super Bowl. If you had the off the line that you had now in last year's Super Bowl, you probably win that game. Because Von Miller and Aaron Donald wrecked havoc on Cincinnati's offensive line in the final drive of that game. So I'm not understanding why people keep trying to run with this narrative that the Cincinnati Bengals just had this once-in-a-lifetime season. Because I promise you that Cincinnati is going to be right back in the playoffs, and they're not going anywhere no time soon unless Joe Burrow just surprises us all and just decides to walk away from the game. And from what I've heard him say in a couple of his public appearances, he was on the Full Sin podcast, I believe, with Bob Minnery and whatnot, Cincinnati is fully locked in on this season, and they're looking to run it back. And I believe that they're going to run it back. I believe that they are going to end up facing the Buffalo Bills this year in the AFC Conference Championship game. Now, I'm not going to tell you who I think is going to win that game, and I don't even know who I would pick for me to want to see who would win that game because I love the Buffalo Bills, but I also love Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is coming from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But you guys have to accept that sometimes we have people in life who just seem to come out of nowhere and just take over and just start to dominate. And I think that this is starting to become a new era of Cincinnati Bengals football. This isn't the Bengals team that you have seen in the past. And you see, why are people so hesitant to change? What's so bad about change? What's so bad about a team in Cincinnati rising up and becoming a championship caliber football team. What's so bad about rooting for Joe Burrow? What's so bad about rooting for the underdog? You get what I'm saying? The underdog comes out of nowhere, and then when the underdog ends up cementing themselves as top dog status, we start to push back on it. Now, I'm not saying that Cincinnati is a top dog right now because you can't consider yourself a top dog until you win a championship. But one thing that I'm not going to count out is Joe Burrow. If you don't have faith in Zach Taylor or the Cincinnati Bengals defense, at least have faith in Joe Burrow. Because this guy is different. This guy is cut from a different cloth. He is cerebral. This man walked into Cincinnati and pretty much changed the whole entire organization from how they handle things in free agency, from how they build a team around Joe Burrow. Before Joe Burrow got to Cincinnati, What were the Bengals known for? They were known for being really cheap, frugal with their money. They didn't want to dish out the money necessary to build a competitive football team. All of a sudden, Joe Burrow comes in, right? He takes them to the Super Bowl in his second year after having the worst off the line in the league, right? And then what does Cincinnati do immediately after the offseason? Oh, they sign Alex Kappa. They sign Lael Collins. Who else did they sign? Ted Carris. It's, it's one more person that I'm... Yeah. And you already got Jonah... You already got Jonah Williams at left tackle. So this off the line has improved. So this is a team that has pretty much lost nobody of significance this offseason. Pretty much keeps their same starters from last year. And on top of that, they improve. I don't understand... Why people are trying to make it seem to be a hot take that the Bengals are going to be in that conversation once again this year. The fact that people are trying to use this whole Super Bowl hangover argument, it's just complete nonsense. Because I ain't ain't hear nobody saying that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have a Super Bowl hangover. Huh? Yeah, even when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, I didn't really hear too many people saying they were going to have a Super Bowl hangover. I heard people saying they were going to be right back in it. I don't understand why there are so many. I don't even hear people saying that the Rams are going to have a Super Bowl hangover. And they won the Super Bowl. Hang, and they won the Super Bowl. Just because you win the Super Bowl, that doesn't excuse you from having the Super Bowl hangover also. You get what I'm saying? There are plenty of teams that have won championships and just disappeared out of nowhere. So, it, it just kind of really irritates me. I, I really shouldn't be spending this much time having to elaborate on this. But, you know, I do have people out there that just like to be 
you know, know it alls, or they just hate Cincinnati for some reason. I don't know if you're a Bengals fan, a Salty Browns fan. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I got so much pushback for just saying that the Bengals were going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think it's that much of a hot take. If you look at their roster, on paper, they have the most talented offense in the NFL. They have a top five offensive line, no worse than top 10, the best receiving core in the NFL. Joe Burrow pretty much is already a top three, top five quarterback in the game. You got Joe Mixon, and plus you have a really good defense. What What's so hard to, to see? You get what I'm saying? And even if you go back to last year, the Bengals, what, were, what was their regular season record? What, 10-7? and seven? There were a couple of games that if the ball bounced in their direction, they could have easily won. Take that Green Bay Packers loss, for example, when he had all the missed field goals by Evan McPherson. If Evan McPherson makes one of those kicks, they end up winning that game. So there were a lot of close games that the Bengals lost last year and if they would have won, they would have easily had the number one overall seed over the Tennessee Titans. I mean, you guys have to give credit to where credit is due. We have a team that at this moment right now going into the 2022 NFL season is going to be a premier powerhouse in the AFC. And I understand that AFC is stacked. If you want to sell me on the cheese, Chargers, being better than Cincinnati, you can go ahead I'm not going to agree with you, but I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you neither. That's a respectable argument. But to give me the whole Super Bowl hangover nonsense, I'm not buying it. Joe Burrow isn't going anywhere, so you're not going to sell me on the fact that they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover. And you're definitely not going to come on here on this platform when we only care about logical, reasonable explanations and tell me that Joe Burrow got carried by Cincinnati. Come on, man. What are you? Are you a hater? Or are you a fan of the game? Can we just take a minute to sit back and respect greatness? I'm not dick riding. I'm telling you guys the God honest truth. Joe Burrow is cut different. So instead of hating, just sit back, shut your mouth, stop hating, stop drinking that Gatorade, and just watch greatness. It doesn't matter. I'm a Steelers fan. And even I could admit, You get what I'm saying? I'm kind of rooting for Cincinnati. And I'm going to be rooting for Cincinnati in every single game they play this year other than when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they play the Pittsburgh Steelers week one. So guess who I'm going to be rooting for? I'm going to have my terrible towel. I'm going to have my Pittsburgh Steelers cup. And I'm going to be rooting for my Steelers. And any other team that the Bengals play other than Pittsburgh, I'm going to be rooting for the Bengals. Let's just sit back and watch greatness. Let's just sit back and watch Joe Burrow work. This is a really good team. I don't understand why people don't see what I see sometimes. And it's not like I'm not logical most of the times. Some of my takes very rarely can be a little bit out there. But I think that this is a pretty centered take. I think that the Bengals are one of the best football teams in the AFC. I really shouldn't have spent so much time. But it it really just frustrated me. It, It really just frustrated me, man. On to the next thing. So let's move on to talking about the team that Joe Burrow led to a national championship not too long ago, but it seems like doggone near a decade ago because, boy, after 2019, things really turned for LSU. And now they have a new head coach and Brian Kelly. They have a over-under win total of 7.5 going into this season. How good is LSU football going to be this upcoming 2022 college football season? Now, for starters, we don't know who's starting at quarterback. I thought, and many of us thought, that it was going to be Jaden Daniels. But apparently, Garrett Nussmeyer has had a really impressive spring. And a lot of LSU fans have been saying, man, I don't know, man. Garrett Garrett Nussmeyer, don't sleep on him. So, you have Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, and then Miles Brennan. So, it still looks as if this quarterback battle is still going to continue heading into fall camp. And it's really going to come down to who has the hot hand. So, even if Garrett Nussmeyer, let's say, was the best quarterback during spring, right? If he gets outperformed by Jaden Daniels during fall camp, 
then Coach Kelly is probably going to roll with the guy who has the hot hand. That's really what it's about when you have these battles, not just when it comes to quarterback battles, but any position battle. You always go with the guy who gets harder at the last minute because he is the person who's carrying the momentum closer to the start of the regular season. So I don't know who's going to end up being the starting quarterback. I'm still putting my money on Jaden Daniels. I'm hoping that he ends up turning it around, but all of this is really from sources and everybody's opinion on the matter, but there are a good amount of people who have been giving Nussmeyer a lot of praise, so we have to take that into consideration, and there hasn't been a quarterback that has really put their full grasp on the starting quarterback job, because if one of these quarterbacks was just outright dominant during spring, I promise you the starter would have already been announced by now. So, the quarterback position is in a really good situation because anytime you're having this debate around who's going to be your starting quarterback and it's because of how well they perform during the spring, that's a good situation to be in. So regardless of who's going to be the starter, I trust all three of these quarterbacks. If Jaden Daniels ends up being the starting quarterback, I would love it. If Miles Brennan ends up surprising everybody and winning the starting job, I still would trust the decision. And Garrett Nussmeyer, I would be you know, a little bit surprised, but I would still trust the decision because this is a really talented quarterback room. When you look at the running back position, John Emery looks to be the lead back. He should be in for a breakout season this year. Last year, he had 75 carries, 378 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and five yards per carry. The wide receiving core is stacked as always. LSU is wide receiver you pretty much. You got Kayshawn Boutte, who had 38 receptions, 509 receiving yards, 9 touchdowns, and average 13.4 yards per carry or per catch, excuse me. You also have Jare Jenkins, who I love him. I He has really good size, is a really good athlete. He can move very well. I think he's going to be a really great deep ball threat. He caught 34 receptions for 502 receiving yards, 8 touchdowns while averaging 14.8 yards per reception. And then you also have Malik Neighbors, Jack Beck, Brian Thomas Jr., Karen Lacey, transfer from Louisiana. So the wide receiving core is stacked. You have a lot of production, a lot of talent there. No LSU fans should be too concerned about that. The offensive line, however, definitely gives me not a lot of confidence, to say the least. And when you look at the schedule that LSU has, especially playing in the SEC West, if you're a fan of the Tigers, you should be extremely concerned. Now, the offensive line has made some progress during spring ball, but even Brian Kelly has came out and said that, yes, we have made some progress during the spring, but we still do have a long ways to go. And... Their defense, I think, is going to be pretty good. Their defensive line is really solid. You have Mason Smith, Ali Gay. You have edge rusher BJ Ojolari, who should be one of the best pass rushers in the SEC this year. He has seven sacks in 2021. You have Louisiana transfer Makai Garner at cornerback. He was on my breakout players list. For those of you guys who haven't seen that, make sure that you guys go ahead and check it out. You have, oh, this is a very fun name to say, Jarek Bernard Converse, who is a transfer from Oklahoma State, who had one of, if not the second best defense in college football last year behind Georgia. So LSU's defense, I think, is going to be pretty good this year. However, the offensive line worries me a lot. And when you look at how tough the SEC West is going to be this year, there are a lot of teams in this division that have Really great talent on the defensive line. Mississippi State is really deep when it comes to their their D-line. We already know about Alabama. Arkansas has a really good defensive line as well. Texas A&M, they have some monsters on that line. Oh my goodness. Sheesh. So for LSU, I, I mean, it's really hard for me to find more than seven wins on this schedule. Okay, you play FSU week one. I'll chalk that up as a dub. Even though that is a game that probably could go any either way, 
I think that the fact that LSU, I think, is probably a little bit ahead of FSU in a sense, and I have a little bit more confidence in Brian Kelly as a head coach compared to Mike Norvell. So I think LSU can win that game. Then they play Southern. That's a win. Mississippi State. I don't really know. That's a game that could go either way. You play New Mexico State. So, I mean, you have three potential wins to start out the season, pending that you do handle business and you take care of FSU. Auburn is a game that you definitely should be able to win. Not too many people are fond of Auburn, okay? But you do play that game on the road. You got to play Tennessee. Tennessee is going to be a really tough outing for anybody this year, unless you're Alabama or Georgia Florida is a game that could go either way. Ole Miss, I think, is a game that could definitely go either way. So you have about five, six winnable games on this raw on this schedule. You look at UAB, you should be able to take care of business there. Even though UAB does have a pretty solid program, they are one of the more underrated G5 programs in America. But you should be able to handle business. So for LSU they should at least be able to get the seven wins. I wouldn't be surprised if they get the six wins, but I think they should be able to get the seven wins, and that's probably where I'm going to go with. Maybe you could sell me on eight wins, but I think seven would be more realistic for me, simply for the fact that I don't know how well the offensive line is going to perform. And even though you do have a couple of guys coming along very well from what we've heard out of spring, at the same time, even though you perform well in spring, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a great performance from that unit come the start of the regular season. So there's still a lot of moving chess pieces on the offensive line. And when you look at this division, you have some of the best defensive lines, not only in the SEC, but in all of college football. And you have defensive lines that not only have a lot of talent, but they have a lot of depth. So it's really going to be hard for me to see LSU beating a Texas A&M, a Mississippi State, or Arkansas when you look at how much talent they have on the line of scrimmage. And I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. LSU is definitely going to be able to upset a couple of those teams this year. It very well could be Mississippi State or Arkansas. But I just think for me, I'm going to go with seven wins. I just need to see more out of the offensive line. And I'm never really going to get my answer on how good the offensive line is going to be until the start of the season. And even then, you're going to be facing FSU. I don't really know if that's going to be a great challenge to see where you're at when it comes to the talent that you have on the offensive line. So really, we're going to have to wait and see how they perform against Mississippi State. But overall, I think this is a seven-win team. I was hoping, going in before I even started recording this segment, I was thinking that LSU potentially could win nine games, maybe ten. But I didn't know their offensive line situation was in this much limbo. So let me know how you guys feel LSU football would be or how good you guys feel they would be this upcoming college football season down in the comment section down below. The Detroit Lions. Last year, they went 3-13-1, year one under Dan Campbell. Coach Campbell is going into his second season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. And there has been a good amount of discussion about this team, especially on Twitter. Could this be a team that goes from last to first? And could they potentially get into the postseason? Now, I'm not going to say that they're going to win this division. Still think that it belongs to the Green Bay Packers. And I really get annoyed that every offseason, I have to come on here and tell people that the Packers are not going to regress. Because every offseason, everybody, especially Lions fans and Vikings fans, try to sell me on the idea that the Green Bay Packers are going to take a step back. It happens every offseason, and people got to realize this. As long as that bad man Aaron Rodgers remains in Green Bay, this is still Green Bay's division. And then on top of that, even though they did lose Devontae Adams, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a couple of other guys who step up on offense. And not only that, but I don't think too many Vikings fans and Lions fans understand just how good this Green Bay Packers defense is going to be. 
This is going to be a top five defense. This may be the best defense that Aaron Rodgers has had in his whole entire career with the Green Bay Packers. And that's saying something because Aaron Rodgers has had some okay defenses during his career with the Packers, but no defense on the level that Green Bay is going to have in 2022. So I think it's pretty fair to say that this division still belongs to Green Bay. Barring something crazy happening, I don't see Detroit winning this division. However, when it comes to them being able to make it to the playoffs, they definitely are a team that I think is going to be in that conversation to get that seven seed. This is a team that has a over-under win total of six and a half. Their schedule isn't too tough. I think it's pretty moderate. You start the season off against Philadelphia. You got to play Washington. You go on the road to Minnesota. You face Seattle. So during that stretch, that's a schedule where you should be able to at least win two of those games to start off. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up winning three. Philadelphia is a team that I still have many questions about when it comes to how efficient Jalen Hurts can be as a passer and just how effective of a coach is Nick Sirianni because the Eagles were 1-8 against teams that had a record of 500 or better. Then you got to play New England on the road in Foxborough. So I think their schedule is pretty moderate. You play the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants. You should be able to take care of the Bears twice because the Chicago Bears have one of the worst rosters in the league this year you also have the luxury of being able to play the Jaguars the Jets the Panthers so there definitely are a good amount of winnable games here but there definitely are some tough games that you're going to have to be able to win and I think that Detroit is a team that could be able to pull off a couple of upsets this season. They doggone near came close to pulling off a couple last year. So for Detroit, I don't think it's crazy to look at this team as being a borderline playoff team. I'm not ready to say that I think they would get into the postseason. However, I do think that this is going to be a team that's going to be competitive. They're going to be in the playoff chase for the whole entire regular season. And I think it's really going to come down to what they do around week 15, week 16, and week 17 of the NFL season, which you end up closing off your season. Check me out. Their last remaining games of the schedule in the month of December, you play Jacksonville at home, Minnesota at home, on the road to face the Jets. Then you have to go on the road to face Carolina. Then you come back home and play Chicago. And then you have the Green Bay Packers at home the last week of the regular season. And maybe if you're lucky, Green Bay ends up resting their starters because maybe they already clinched the one seed or they already locked up their playoff berth. And it's not possible for them to get the one seed. But that's a pretty easy stretch there going into the month of December. So for Detroit, you could probably pull off some magic that the Philadelphia Eagles were able to pull off last year because the Philadelphia Eagles weren't good against good teams, but they got really fortunate that they were able to beat up on some of the worser teams in the league. I don't care if worser isn't a word. It's a word today, doggone it. So for the Lions, you look at this roster. This is a pretty solid offense. It's not fantastic. It's not going to blow you away on paper, but this is definitely going to be your offense that's going to be able to come in and get the job done. People have questions when it comes to if Jared Goff is the long-term answer at quarterback for the Lions. I don't think he was bad last year. And I think that Jared Goff played some really good football. And not just I think, I know for a fact, Jared Goff played some really good football to close the end of the season. Because I watched a lot of Detroit Lions games. I'm not going to come on here and lie to you guys say that I watched every Detroit Lions game. But I think that I've watched 80% of Lions games. Probably 10 or 12 of them. And it's because I had... DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson on my fantasy football team. So that's the reason why I had to watch the Detroit Lions play. And for the Detroit Lions, you look at DeAndre Swift. I was kind of disappointed in the season that he had. 
I was expecting a little bit more out of him, but I think that this year he probably ends up breaking out and he has a Pro Bowl caliber season. We already know what TJ Hawkinson brings to the table. I'm really excited about DJ Chark. If you guys haven't seen my latest segment on DJ Chark, make sure that you guys go ahead and check it out. But I'm a big fan of DJ Chark. And apparently, according from a couple of Lions fans that have hit me up in response to that video, they've said that he's been balling so far during minicamp. So if DJ Chark can stay healthy, you have a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver. You have Amon Ross St. Brown who led the team in receptions, targets, receiving yards. The dude was a monster. He is going to be phenomenal this year. He caught 90 receptions on 119 targets, 912 yards. He had five touchdowns. He's going to be really good this year. And then when Jamison Williams ends up getting on the field, which Many people are speculating somewhere in late October, early November is when we can expect to see Williams start to have a little bit of a role in this offense when he gets healthy and he's able to play. So when Jamison Williams ends up getting into the mix, this is going to be an offense that it's going to surprise some people. It's going to surprise some people. Now, this isn't going to be an offense that's going to be top 10 or anything like that. But I think it's going to be an offense that's going to be consistent. It's going to be able to get the job done. Similar to how the Las Vegas Raiders offense was last year. The only difference is that the Detroit Lions have a better offensive line than what the Raiders had last year. So I think their offense is probably going to be average to slightly above average. When you look at them on the defensive side. I like what they have on the defensive line. You drafted Aiden Hutchinson. I think he probably should end up having eight sacks as a rookie right away. You have Charles Harris, who has seven and a half sacks, which led the team. You have Romeo Cura, who only played in four games last year until he got sidelined to a season-ending injury. But the year before that, in 2020, he had 10 sacks. You also have his brother, Julian Okora, who had five sacks last year in 2021. The linebackers concern me, okay? And I'm not really going to say who they have at linebacker because I don't even know who's going to be starting at linebacker. I know they have Enzaloni, and you have Derek Barnes, who you drafted out of Purdue last year. But... None of those guys really impressed me when I saw them play last year. So linebacker is still a work in progress. There's probably still a lot of hope for Derek Barnes simply for the fact that he was a rookie. At cornerback, I think you're pretty set there. You have Amanya Ruye, you have Mike Hughes, you have Jeff Okuda. I don't know what's going to happen with Jeff Okuda. Is he going to play outside or are they going to move into the slot? At safety, you have Tracy Walker, pretty solid, and you have Deshaun Elliott. And Deshaun Elliott, for those of you guys who don't know, is one of my favorite NFL players in the league. I watched him all throughout his college years at Texas. I was crossing my fingers that the Steelers would draft him. But as you guys already know, he just had to go to the Ravens. It's funny how the Ravens always get all my favorite players, don't they? They get Lamar, and then they got Deshaun Elliott. I hate it here, man. I, I really hate it here. And the thing with Deshaun Elliott is that if he can still stay, if he can just stay healthy, if Deshaun Elliott can at least give me 14 games, I think that you have a safety that can end up maybe making it to the Pro Bowl. Deshaun Elliott is really, really good. And for those of you Lions fans who don't really know too much about Deshaun Elliott, if you guys want me to do a segment on Deshaun Elliott, I can. But I'm a big fan of Deshaun Elliott. He's aggressive. He's really good when it comes to making tackles. He also is able to make plays on the ball. He caught his first ever career interception last year. So I'm really excited about Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun Elliott is a really good football player when he's on the field. And if you're somebody who is into pro football focus grades and whatnot, go back and look at Deshaun Elliott's PFF grades from last year before he got injured in 2020. Really good, really solid football player. The analytics back it up and the film backs it up. I'm really excited about what Deshaun Elliott brings to the Detroit Lions. Two of my more underrated free agency signings actually were made by the Detroit Lions. Signing Deshaun Elliott and signing DJ Chark. I think that these are two critical signings that are going to have a drastic impact on how good the Detroit Lions are going to be this year. I love Deshaun Elliott, man. I might have to just go ahead and get me a Deshaun Elliott jersey because that's how big of a fan I am of him. 
And I already got some shoes to go along with it. You know, I'm going to wear that thing with some low-top Air Force Ones. You guys already know, all white. You know how we rocking. But, yeah, man, when it comes to the Lions making it to the postseason, I don't know if they will get in, but I do expect them to be a borderline playoff team. I think that this is a team that's going to be highly competitive, which they were pretty competitive in the majority of the games that they played last year. They just had really bad luck. I'm still having haunting memories of that Justin Tucker walk-off field goal. Oh, my goodness, man. It was just so hard to watch the Lions play. And I'm not even a Lions fan, so I know you Lions fans are going through it. It just, it was just really hard to watch. And then I saw on one press conference when Dan Campbell broke down. It was just really disheartening to me, man. It was really hard watching the Lions play. And I wasn't even a Lions fan, so... I didn't even ask Lions fans how they felt after loss, after loss at a point. I was just hoping and praying to God that they would finally win the game for for Christ's sakes. But I like what the Lions are going into year two under Dan Campbell. I definitely feel that this is a team that's going to be really improved. You're going to see a noticeable difference this year on the field. And this is definitely a team that should be able to compete for a playoff spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got in. Keyword. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not expecting them to get in. If you were to ask me, JT, I bet you $10 that the Detroit Lions would not make it to the playoffs, I probably would take that bet. And if you came up to me and say that, hey, JT, I bet you $100 that the Lions will or won't make the playoffs or the Lions will win more than eight games, I probably would look at you with a sour face, probably give you a little mean mug and tell you, get out my face. I'm not making that bet. So, I like when the Lions are going into the 2022 NFL season. This is definitely a team that's going to be really improved. And I'm excited to watch this team because I am going to be having my eyes on them regardless if I have players on their squad on my fantasy football team or not. I'm just intrigued in the Detroit Lions. I love what Dan Campbell has been building so far. I love the attitude that he has instilled in this team. You know, last year I said that the Detroit Lions were going to be better than what a lot of people thought. And I was wrong, but I was right in this sense. I was wrong because I thought they were going to be able to win at least six games last year, and they didn't do that. However, I was right because they were a highly competitive football team. A good amount of games they played came down to one possession. They also had some games where they got blown out. Okay, but this was a team that last year was super competitive most of the times they played. And there's no reason why this team shouldn't even be even more competitive. And you think about some of the games that they lost last year that came down to one possession games and whatnot. Imagine now that they have a better team, they should be able to win a couple more of those games. So let me know how you guys are feeling about the Detroit Lions. Do you guys think that they will make it to the NFL playoffs this season? And make sure that you guys like the video, subscribe to the channel, and I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that the JT Sports Podcast is available on every single podcasting platform. Wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. The JT Sports Podcast is available on every single podcasting platform. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast.